Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Margosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of October 7. In the news, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan meets with Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev in Prague. He also had a meeting with Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. The EU will send a civilian monitoring mission to the borders of Armenia, and 17 Armenian POWs are repatriated and more. This week was full of diplomatic engagements for Armenia amid the ongoing tense situation on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border. Yesterday, Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan met Azerbaijan's President Ilham Aliyev in Prague on the sidelines of the European Political Community Summit. The meeting was facilitated by French President Emmanuel Macron and the President of the European Council, Charles Michel. Following the meeting, the sides issued a statement, according to which Armenia and Azerbaijan confirmed their commitment to the UN Charter and the Alma-Ata Declaration of 1991, through which both sides recognize each other's territorial integrity and sovereignty. They confirmed that this will serve as the basis for the work of the commissions on delimitation, and that uh, the next meeting of these commissions will take place in Brussels by the end of October. Now, just very quickly about the Alma-Ata uh, Declaration. The text of the, the so-called Belovej Accords contains an introduction and 14 articles. The original text is available on the Council of Europe's website if anybody's interested. Now, the main obligations of the parties to this agreement, we're explaining this so we're not just throwing around, you know, uh, statements that nobody really understands, including ourselves. I mean, we had to look this up. Uh, So the main obligations of the parties to the agreement ratified by all former Soviet uh, republics, except for, you know, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, includes the following. So the end of the existence of the USSR with the setting up of lawfully constituted democratic independent states on the basis of mutual recognition and respect for state sovereignty, uh, establishing on the territory the right to self-determination, along with norms relating to human and people's rights, parties guaranteed to their citizens regardless of their nationality or other differences, equal rights and freedoms, um, each of the parties guarantees to the citizens of the other parties and also to stateless persons resident in their territory regardless of national affiliation or other differences, civil, political, social, economic, cultural rights and freedoms in accordance with the universal recognized international norms relating to human rights. And finally, um, I mean, there's much more, but we, we've just picked out certain passages. The parties desirous of facilitating the expression, preservation, and development of the distinctive ethnic, cultural, linguistic, and religious characteristics of the national minorities resident in their territories and of the unique ethno-cultural regions that have come into being will extend protection to them. So this is what our... Well, this is a text that's post-Soviet, so it it was like written in the post-Soviet context, right. uh, still in Soviet context, but we're coming back to this text now, 30 years uh, later. even though they don't mm-hmm. mention, they just they just men- mentioned the Alma-Ata declaration, but uh, Belovej was the basis for this declaration, right. and now looking at it from the perspective of how it could apply to to Armenia, Azerbaijan, and especially Nagorno-Karabakh, is interesting. Well, uh, Armenia also during the meeting agreed to facilitate the establishment of a European Union civilian mission alongside the border with Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan agreed to cooperate with the mission to the extent that it will be concerned. The mission will start its work in October for a maximum period of two months. The purpose of the mission will be to build confidence and through its report support the border commissions. During the summit, Aliyev told reporters that he 
uh, hopes that Armenia and Azerbaijan are slowly nearing peace, adding that he has presented Azerbaijan's five conditions for the peace treaty. Aliyev also stated that the Azerbaijani side has suggested the parties start drafting the text for the peace treaty. Pashinyan tweeted earlier today that in Prague he reconfirmed Armenia's proposal on on blocking of all regional communications, adding that Azerbaijan again did not respond positively. Uh, this is a direct quote. He, uh, I reiterated Armenia is ready for unblocking of all regional communications with full respect of our sovereignty and legislation. Uh, both Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan and Ilham Aliyev will be in St. Petersburg today for an unofficial meeting between the heads of the CIS member states. Uh, and uh, side note, Putin will celebrate his 70th birthday. Maria Zakharova, Russia's foreign ministry representative, responded to EU mediation in uh, the Armenia-Azerbaijan peace negotiations, calling them unbalanced. She added that Moscow's approach, on the contrary, is clear. According to Zakharova, Moscow handed over its suggestions regarding the peace treaty to Armenia and Azerbaijan without disclosing its contents. In Prague, Prime Minister Pashinyan also met with Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Uh, this was the first meeting between Pashinyan and Erdogan and the first meeting between the leaders of Armenia and Turkey since 2010 when we were living through the d- football, football diplomacy. diplomacy yeah. right. During the meeting, Pashinyan and Erdogan underscored the importance of direct contacts and high-level meetings in the context of Armenia-Turkey rapprochement. They discussed the process of normalization of Armenia-Turkey relations and possible further steps in that direction, the need for the speedy implementation of the agreements reached as a result of discussions between the special representatives of the two countries was also emphasized. Pashinyan and Erdogan also exchanged thoughts on regional processes. And as, just as a reminder, special envoys for Armenia-Turkish dialogue, Ruben Ubinyan and Sirdar Kilik, had agreed during their meeting on July 1 to open the land border for citizens of third countries and to implement a direct air cargo transportation between Armenia and Turkey. Representatives of the sides were supposed to meet on the border in September to discuss the implementation of the agreements, but the meeting was naturally postponed due to Azerbaijan's attack on Armenia. Erdogan told reporters in Prague that the meeting with Pashinyan took place in an honest environment, stating that Turkey does not have any preconditions for normalizing relations uh, with Armenia, adding that it only wishes the settlement of legal disputes between Armenia and Azerbaijan and the signing of a peace treaty. After that, there will be no other issues from our from our side. We will open all doors, air, land, and railway, Erdogan says. So he kind of, I mean contradicted himself, saying we have no preconditions, but the precondition is that you must sign a peace treaty. Well, before the official meetings kicked off, Pashinyan also held informal meetings with the presidents of Turkey and Azerbaijan. We also, the photos of a, a, and a short video that were released on social networks, Pashinyan can be seen t- uh, talking to Aliyev, Erdogan, Emmanuel Macron, and Viktor Orban, the Prime Minister of Hungary. There was a lot of discussion about Oh my God, photos. my entire feed was uh, full uh, of that was, discussion. Yeah. yeah analyzing body language right. and the content of the table and this book the and book that, uh, and yeah. a piece of paper yeah in Prague Pashinyan also held a, a brief meeting with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and the Prime Minister of Greece Kyriakos uh, Mitsotakis Pashinyan discussed bilateral relations uh, and the situation in the region and the consequences of the September 13-14 Azerbaijani attack with his German and Greek counterparts the inaugural meeting of the European political community brought together leaders from 
44 nations, including 27 member states of the European Union. The new pan-European grouping is an initiative of uh, the French President Emmanuel Macron. It is meant to facilitate dialogue on an equal footing between EU members and non-members on issues that uh, confront all. But Russia and Belarus were not invited to that meeting, I believe. So, just as well, a side they note. don't confront the same issues, probably. <laughs> More on the diplomatic front. On October 2, the foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan met in Geneva to discuss the peace treaty between the two countries, among other issues. According to the foreign ministry of Armenia, Arat Mirzoyan, the foreign minister, reiterated the position of the Armenian side on the withdrawal of Azerbaijani troops from Armenia's sovereign territory and the immediate release of all Armenian POWs. The importance of introducing international mechanisms for border situation control was also discussed. So this, all of this was prior to uh, to the meeting to the in Prague. Yes. Well, Mirzoyan also emphasized that the war crimes committed by Azerbaijani armed forces should receive a clear assessment by international bodies and the criminals should be brought to justice. The sides exchanged views on the peace treaty, again, between Armenia and Azerbaijan, ensuring the rights and security guarantees for the Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh, including through the establishment of a discussion mechanism between Stepanagert and Baku. According to the Armenian side, there was mutual understanding also on unblocking the regional transport routes under the sovereignty and jurisdiction of the countries. The statement issued by the Azerbaijani side differs from the Armenian one. Uh, naturally, Baku does not mention anything about starting direct dialogue with the authorities in Stepanagert. Azerbaijan also reported that the five points proposed by Azerbaijan will serve as the basis of the peace treaty between Armenia and Azerbaijan. The Azerbaijani side also does not mention anything about the rights and security of the Armenians of Artsakh and about the mutual understanding on unblocking of regional transport routes under the sovereignty and jurisdiction of the countries. Instead, according to uh, Baku, during the meeting, Bayramov, who is the foreign minister of Azerbaijan, also underlined the need for, quote, full withdrawal of Armenian armed forces from the territory of Azerbaijan, obviously referring to, to Nagorno-Karabakh. Well. And during the government parliament Q&A session uh, on October 5, Foreign Minister Arat Mirzoyan announced that the Armenian side is trying to establish an, establish an international mechanism of facilitating dialo direct dialogue between Artsakh and Azerbaijan. So this was repeated. And according to Mirzoyan, the Armenian and Azerbaijani positions regarding this differ. And the public will be notified if any mutually agreeable terms are reached. And Ilham Aliyev this week stated that the Armenians of Artsakh are the citizens of Azerbaijan and that they do not intend to discuss their issues with any international actors. And he also recently said we'll talk to them when and how we want how to. How we please, right. Yes. And also interesting, just a side note, going back to the Prague summit when uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan said he received uh, Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan like he was holding court in, Maybe Turkey's in, invaded in, in Ankara. Prague, we don't know. <laughs> well, um, on October 4, upon the initiative of the American side, a phone conversation was held between the foreign ministers of Armenia, the U.S. Secretary of State, and the foreign minister of Azerbaijan. The sides discussed the Mirzoyan Bayramov meeting, as well as the developments of the Armenian-Azerbaijani peace treaty and the creation of a discussion mechanism between Stepanakert and Baku again. So. Right, the same thing. Oh, we're going back in time. Back now. and forth, right. Well, according to a statement issued by 
uh, State Department spokesperson Ned Price, Secretary Antony Blinken expressed appreciation for the positive steps Armenia and Azerbaijan are taking uh, toward reaching a sustainable peace agreement uh, in a week that has been marked by too much violence, including the deaths of Armenian soldiers and Azerbaijani civilians in landmine explosions. He welcomed the meeting between the ministers on October 2 as an important step forward in the peace process, the statement read. And while in Geneva, Mirzoyan also met with the OSCE Minsk Group co-chairs of France and the U.S., Bryce Roquefort and uh, Philip Rieker, as well as the U.S. Special Representative to the South Caucasus, Tovio Clark, the recent escalation on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border, the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict, and the Armenia and the Armenia-Azerbaijan peace process were at the center of discussions. Mirzoyan also met his Swiss counterpart, uh, Livia Lou Agosti. The foreign ministers touched upon a number of issues on the Armenia-Switzerland cooperation agenda. Mirzoyan noted that uh, Armenia is interested in the Swiss experience of recovering assets of illegal origin. Uh, Mirzoyan and uh, Agosti also exchanged views on regional developments. And on October 4, Mirzoyan had a phone conversation with Samantha Power, the administrator of the U.S. Agency of International Development. Mirzoyan and Power discussed the prospects of expanding the programs implemented by the agency in Armenia. Prospects of further strengthening cooperation in the fight against corruption were also discussed. And Armin Krikorian, the Secretary of Armenia Security Council, was in Brussels this week, where he met Javier Colomina, the special representative of the NATO uh, Secretary General in the Caucasus in Central Asia, as well as the Deputy Permanent Representatives Committee of NATO. The situation following the September 13-14 Azerbaijani attack against Armenia and Armenia-NATO cooperation were discussed during that meeting. And this week, Azerbaijan returned 17 POWs to Armenia who were captured during the September 13-14 Azerbaijani incursion into Armenia. Following the repatriation of the POW's Prime Minister Pashinyan tweeted that he highly appreciates the efforts of the U.S. for assisting to return the POWs. The day before, on October 3, Pashinyan had tweeted that for the second time, Azerbaijan refused to fulfill its promise to release Armenian POWs. The first case was in May when a promise was made in Brussels, and the second time was in Washington when Azerbaijan had committed to release 17 Armenian POWs until the end of September. During the meeting between Armen Grigorian, Hikmet Hajiev, and Jake Sullivan, who is the National Security Advisor to the U.S. President. And during uh, yesterday's cabinet meeting, Health Minister Anahid Avanesian stated that the repatriated POWs are in the military hospital and will be released when their health condition has been properly assessed. And there's also a protocol in place. They they will be held by the National Security Service and questioned before they're uh, released. Right. And as of taping, we don't know uh, at what point they're at. Now, amid the diplomatic exchanges between Armenia and Azerbaijan, over the weekend, a video was uh, disseminated on Azerbaijani social networks showing how Azerbaijani special forces are, um, you know, it was a summary execution of unarmed Armenian uh, soldiers. Human rights lawyer Siranur Sahakian announced that the incident took place near Ishkhanasar, which was one of the main uh, directions of the Azerbaijani offensive on September 13. Sahakian also stated that it is evident from the video that there were nine Armenian servicemen in the military positions when Azerbaijanis attacked, and it can be seen that four of them were shot. So far, Armenian authorities have not published any official names of the killed soldiers and possible POWs. Instead, authorities are announcing that everything is being done to hold Azerbaijan accountable 
responsible for its actions by applying to the European Court of Human Rights, the International Court of Justice, and using uh, other international mechanisms. Azerbaijan's prosecutor's office also announced that it is investigating the matter. Well, following the release of the video, EU Special Representative Tovio Klar tweeted that if the video is proven to be authentic, which it has been, then this is a war crime that needs to be investigated and the perpetrators punished. The following day, Clark tweeted that he had been sent several videos apparently showing war crimes committed against Azerbaijanis. According to Clark, these needs to be investigated if authentic perpetrators need to be held responsible. In response to the killing of Armenian servicemen, uh Pashinyan tweeted that yet another horrific video circulated in social media of Azerbaijani soldiers arbitrarily executing Armenian POWs on sovereign Armenian territory. The killings were committed by the newly established Azerbaijani special forces called Commando, which are supposedly trained by the Turkish military. Now, two things, Rubina. We have an article um, about these war crimes being committed by Sheila Pailan, and, and she looks at what... Um, international legal tools Armenia has uh, to bring these uh, the perpetrators to justice. And she argues that basically Armenia needs to sign the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court because any statement, any message, any uh, provisional measure that is uh, announced by the ICJ or ECHR won't have any kind of legal binding. And now just as we were doing this podcast, I, I was just checking Twitter as I want to do. And Arman Tatoyan, Armenia's former uh, ombudsman, has just tweeted that uh, Azerbaijani prosecutor generals has said that the video of the recent brutal execution of unarmed Armenian POWs by the Azerbaijani military is fake, um, that it is a, a fabricated um, a video. So just to show you the back and forth that we're going on these issues. On a well, I think this is a uh, this is a heavy blow to Azerbaijan, this video, and the, the, also the international reaction, which I, I will talk about. Mm -hmm. So there will be any a uh, lot of efforts to counter this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and truly, a number of international actors have also reacted uh, to this video. The British embassy in Yerevan stated that it is horrified by a video which appears to show captured Armenian soldiers being shot by Azerbaijani forces. It also stated that the embassy welcomes the announcement by the Azerbaijani Pro Prosecutor General um, uh, for their commitment to comprehensively investigate the video, stating its expectation that the outcome of the investigation will be made public. Well, Ned Price also um, stated that the U.S. is deeply disturbed by recent reports of Azerbaijani soldiers, I mean, about the video. The French Foreign Ministry also called on Azerbaijan to find and hold the perpetrators accountable for their actions, uh, as did the Foreign Minister of Canada, calling the execution deeply disturbing. The EU also issued a statement similar to that of the French and Canadian foreign ministries. Moscow also called on the investigation of the video footage, announcing that perpetrators should be punished accordingly. And, you know, again, Rubina, there was plenty evidence during the 2020 Artsakh war of war crimes being committed, and never did we see these kinds of statements coming from uh, Western nations and Russia itself. So again, as we've said before, there's been a shift in the global response, um, calling out Azerbaijan as the aggressor, as the perpetrator, calling for Azerbaijan to um, hold uh, these uh, 
troops accountable. To be, well, just cautious, but because like Azerbaijan seems to be countering this with uh, the narrative of the landmines, of millions sure. of landmines being <laughs> planned. It's like, so there is starting in this false equivalency, uh, like picking up again, right? It's like, oh, Azerbaijan is being killed by landmines and, yeah. uh, yes, and Armenian POW is being executed. So there was like a little opening uh, right there. And uh, if this starts to uh, more videos of Armenian war crimes presented by Azerbaijan, let's say, to international, we're going to start the war of narratives again and war of truths again. Well, uh, on October 5, Joseph Borrell, the high representative of the European Union for uh, Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, addressed questions regarding the tense situation on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border at the European Parliament during a Q&A with the parliamentarians. Borrell stated that it is evident that Azerbaijan attacked Armenia, targeting civilian infrastructure. He added that Azerbaijan has occupied Armenia's territory, noting that Armenian and Azerbaijani troops are so close that there is a risk of a new escalation. According to Borrell, the EU uh, is calling on Azerbaijan to withdraw its armed forces and investigate the video of the killing of the Armenian servicemen. Responding to criticism over the EU-Azerbaijan energy deal and over the unwillingness of the EU to sanction Azerbaijan, Borrell stated that the energy deal was not made over political concessions, adding that none of the EU member states have suggested imposing sanctions over Azerbaijan. So it hasn't occurred to anyone. Right. He also stated that the EU had offered to deploy a monitoring mission on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border to ease the situation, which Armenia accepted, uh, but uh, Azerbaijan refused. And he said, well, what do you want us to do? But now, after this initiative in Prague... Azerbaijan, well, it, we will collaborate if our collaboration is absolutely needed, to paraphrase. Well, on October 1, the Polish foreign minister, Zbigniew Rao, who is also the acting chairman of the OSC, discussed with his French counterpart, Catherine Colonna, the possibility of sending an OSC mission to the region as well. Amid active European engagement in the region, Russia's ambassador to Armenia, Sergei Kopirkin, told reporters this week that speculations that Russia is turning its back on the region and Armenia are groundless. He also stated that the Russian military, peacekeepers, and border guards are in touch with both sides. He called the presence of the Russian military in the region an important factor for ensuring stability and preventing Uh, further escalation. But, you know, in our security report that we released last Friday, and I believe we talked about it during our podcast, uh, our Week in Review podcast, you know, it's very clear that the Russian-led security architecture has collapsed. And right now, Russia is not the guarantor of Armenia's peace. Um, And yet, um, the Russian narrative is saying the opposite. This week, Azerbaijani armed forces also violated the ceasefire with Armenia on several occasions. Armenia's defense ministry reported on October 3 that Azerbaijani armed forces opened fire in the direction of Armenian military positions in the eastern part of the Armenian-Azerbaijani border using mortars and large-caliber firearms. The Azerbaijani fire was stopped by retaliatory actions of the Armenian armed forces. There were no losses on the Armenian side. Two days later, on October 5, Defense Ministry spokesperson Aram Torosyan again reported that Azerbaijani uh, forces had violated the ceasefire, and yesterday, according to Torosyan, um, Azerbaijani troops targeted construction uh, machinery, carrying out fortification works in Armenian and near Armenian military positions on the eastern part of the border, um, and some of the equipment was damaged. As and a we result. saw the footage mm-hmm. of, the, of the equipment being burning. 
Well, earlier uh, this week, the chief of the general staff of the Iranian armed forces told Azerbaijan's defense minister over the phone that disputes between army and Azerbaijan should be solved through peaceful means. According to the Iranian side, Azerbaijan's defense minister reassured that Azerbaijan does not have any territorial claims against Armenia, does not plan an attack, and believes that issues can be settled through negotiations. While there are Azerbaijani troops on, on Armenian, Armenian territory, territory as we speak. Last week, during a televised press conference, Pashinyan spoke about the current situation of Armenia-Azerbaijani negotiations in the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Regarding Artsakh, Pashinyan said that uh, the Karabakh conflict may not be included in the Armenia-Azerbaijan peace treaty, noting that the main beneficiary of the discussion of the Karabakh issue should be the people of Artsakh through their elected representative. Pashinyan also spoke about the processes taking place between Armenia and Azerbaijan during the government parliament Q&A session on October 5. He stated that recent discussions and negotiations with Azerbaijan have paved the way to move forward with the peace agenda. At the same time, Pashinyan noted that the situation around Armenia remains tense, but that the defense ministry reports of recent days suggest that the tense situation is easing a little. In other news this week, Armenia's defense ministry reported that a ministry delegation visited a number of military training institutions in the NATO Defense Education Enhancement Program in the U.S. The Armenian delegation met with U.S. military representatives at uh, the West Point Military Academy, the U.S. Army War College, the National Defense University, and the Ground Forces Headquarters. Well, they talked about admission, integration, academic programs, and military training. The parties emphasized the need to strengthen further cooperation in the military educational direction. In this regard, representatives of the U.S. educational institutions emphasized that they are ready to cooperate with Armenia in training influential leaders of the defense sector. Also this week, the head of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Mariano Grossi, was in Armenia, where he met with Prime Minister Pashinyan, President Vahakin Khachadaryan, and Foreign Minister Arat Mirzoyan, among other high-ranking officials. Grossi also visited Armenia's nuclear power plant and gave a lecture at Yerevan State University. Increasing the safety level of Armenia's nuclear power plant and the possibilities of deepening the cooperation between Armenia and the International Atomic Energy Agency were discussed during the meetings. Regional security issues were also discussed. After his visit to the Medzamor nuclear power plant, Grossi tweeted that Armenia's economy relies on Medzamor, adding that the IAEA will continue to offer support to help the plant provide low-carbon energy safely and secure. Uh, and securely. Pleased to see the safety and security improvements made to Medzamor and impressed with the commitment of its dedicated staff, the tweet said. Last week, the Council General of Iran in Rapan presented his consular credentials to Foreign Minister Ad Mirzoyan. The sides commended the activation of Armenian-Iranian high-level contracts, especially in the recent periods. Mirzoin highlighted that the opening of the Consulate General uh, of Iran is an important symbolic step which demonstrates bilateral willingness to further deepen cooperation between the two countries and bring it to a new level. Iran had appointed a consul in Rapan um, this past summer, the beginning of August. Last week, the body of an Armenian serviceman was found in one of the military positions with a gunshot wound, according to preliminary information, another Armenian serviceman shot him, mistaking him for the adversary. This week, Armenia's parliament adopted a new gun law drafted by the ruling civil contract party. According to representatives of the ruling party, uh, the a gun law that was adopted in 1998 and largely copied the Soviet-era gun control law. It defined accessibility for private citizens 
for hunting and sporting weapons, but not for arms entailed for self-defense. The new gun control law uh, entails the right to possess a firearm and ammunition, specifies self-defense aspects, the training of anyone possessing firearms, the rules and permits of carrying or possessing firearms, as well as regulations covering the sales, import and export of guns. It also seeks to set stronger liability for the illegal use of weapons. The new law will enable eligible citizens age 21 or over to buy rifles. Uh, the age limit is 18 for other types of civilian weapons with licensing procedure from police. Uh, a citizen, a private citizen meeting the legal requirements, for example, not pr- uh, no prior convictions, medically uh, fit, will be able to buy 10 pieces of firearms while there's no quantity limit for collectors. So you can buy 10 guns if you want, if you're physically fit, Rupina. And if you're a collector, you can buy more. More. And in order to buy guns, eligible citizens will have to apply to the police and present relevant medical documents. First-time gun buyers will have to pass safety training and instructions at any military training organization of their choice. The law will come into force uh, in the next six months. Parliament also decided to prolong the term of uh, the Parliamentary Commission um, looking into the circumstances of the 2020 Artsakh War by another six months. Well, going back to the gun law, we're going to have an article that's going to look very uh, deeper into Mm -hmm. the issue. And honestly, Maria, I don't know what what I feel about this, how I feel about this. Neither do I, to be honest, but time will tell. In six months, we'll know. Well, this week, the ruling civil contract party uh, member Vahagan Hovagimian was elected as the head of Armenia Central Electoral Commission. Incumbent Tigran Mugucian's term expires on October 12. He has been in office for 11 years. Since the head of the Central Electoral Commission cannot be part of a political party, Hovagimian left the civil contract party this week. Several civil society members raised concerns about appointing a person affiliated with the ruling party as head of the Central Electoral Commission. And uh, just Justice Minister Garen Andresian was elected as the head of the Supreme Judicial Council today. It is not clear yet who will be appointed as the new Justice Minister. And Russian-Armenian businessman, philanthropist Rupen Vartanian has been offered the position of Artsakh's state minister. This is equivalent to a prime minister. By Artsakh's president, Arai Karutunyan, Vartanian stated that he will accept the offer if his ideas are, if his ideas are accepted by the public without specifying what those ideas are. Artsakh's current uh, state minister welcomed the decision, stating that it was a wise move given the situation around Artsakh. Beklarian noted that he and Vartanian share the same ideas regarding the present and future of Artsakh, as well as the solution of the challenges that Artsakh faces, adding that for this reason, Vartanian can achieve progress for Artsakh domestically as well as in the foreign policy sphere. And three weeks after Azerbaijan's incursion into Armenia's territory, the hotels in Jermuk are starting to open up again. And as a reminder, Jermuk was one of the hardest hit towns during that um, attack. So it's a sign that hopefully the city is going, (laughs) I don't know how it can come back to normal when there's, you know, Azerbaijani troops, you know, pretty close to the city. Uh, But we'll see what happens. The hotels are opening doesn't mean they're going to have guests. (laughs) This is true. Um, Well, um, thanks again for listening through this very long uh, Week in Review podcast. I suspect the coming weeks Um, as intense negotiations and events take place um, we will continue to um, provide you with all the information that we can have a, a good weekend, a safe weekend and we will be back again next week